It's good to see everybody here, and uh, I'm thankful that, uh, that we have the, an opportunity to come and to worship the Lord and to, to, to fellowship with one another, uh, to be in the Word, and uh, I, hope that, uh, I hope it's all a blessing, and a blessing to you. Uh, Luke 13, uh, if you would, Luke 13, and I, I'm going to read verses 10 through 13 again. We're going to pray and, and see if the... See what the Lord will, will do with us this morning. So verse 10 says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, he being Jesus. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight. And glorified God. Let's pray. Lord, I, Lord, I ask that you'd help me this morning. Lord, I cannot stand here and preach your word without your help. Lord, any attempt that I would make, Lord, would, 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 would but fail. And uh, might entertain. It might, it might take up some time. But, Lord, it wouldn't accomplish anything. Lord, I need you this morning. I pray that you would empty me myself. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. God. Lord, give me the, the words to, to speak. Lord, the power to speak. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word and apply it to the hearts of those that, you, that you've meant for it, Lord. Lord, your word promises that it will not come back void. It will always accomplish what you will. Father, I pray that you would have your way with us this morning. Lord, keep Satan from distracting us. Lord, I pray that to help us, our hearts to be sensitive and tender to the moving of the Spirit. Lord, strengthen and encourage those who are here and those who are listening at home. Lord, may I pray, God, that, that you would just do a work that cannot be done by man. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have in this passage an interesting parable, not parable, an interesting account of a miracle. It is the only time this, uh, this miracle is recorded in Scripture. It is, it is only found in the book of Luke. Some miracles, like uh, the feeding of the 5,000, are found multiple places. Uh, uh, there, are, uh, there are many of those miracles. Sometimes they're in all four. Sometimes they're in two or three. Uh, but uh, there are some miracles that Jesus performed that, that are only found in one book. This is one of those. Now, uh, all the miracles that Jesus performed aren't recorded in Scripture. We understand that, right? Jesus did much more. In fact, the book of John says that if all the things that he had said and done while he was here on this earth, uh, the, the, the books couldn't even contain all that Christ did. Uh, but but uh, uh, this is a, an interesting miracle. Uh, it, it shows us something that, uh, that uh, many times that we... We ignore or we don't see. Jesus kind of, God kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit uh, to help us to see some truths here. And I, 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 I pray and I, I hope that you just you, you, you be open-minded to what the Word of God has to say. Not what I have to say, but what the Word of God has to say. And, 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 and understand that I'm coming at this from, from a desire just to help us to understand that we can't have victory. This woman that Jesus heals, and we'll get more into talking about her in a moment, she's, it talks about that she has an infirmity. She's bowed together, it says. Uh, the, the, what it means is that uh, she's hunched over, but not 
she, it's, it's not like the hunchback of Notre Dame or the, uh, it literally means she's bowed so far over that she's almost touching herself. I've actually seen a, a, a video of a man who went to a chiropractor that had this, this kind of issue. Uh, it was extremely uncomfortable. He was in a wheelchair, unable to hardly get around or, or, or move. And uh, that's the, the issue that this woman had. But I want you to notice a word uh, that, that, that Luke uses. Uh, by the way, Luke was a doctor. And Luke, when he spoke here in Scripture, was inspired by God. Uh, uh, there are no words that are used just haphazardly or thrown in there, right? When God spoke, every word meant something. So it's, it's interesting to me, and this is the only time that I, that I can recollect that he says this, but it says that, he, that she, notice it says in verse 11, this woman had a spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity. That word spirit literally means a, a, a spirit now, it, it revealed itself in her, in her as, a, as a physical ailment. Uh, there was, uh, her body was literally bent over. Uh, she was in pain and uncomfortable and unable to, to walk. Uh, she, she was uh, eyes to the ground and uh, just having, having a difficult time in her life. Uh, we don't see that she's with anybody else in this passage. It doesn't reveal that. I'm not saying that, there, that she didn't have loved ones. But, but I'm sure that that inhibited her relationship. I'm sure it may have inhibited uh, maybe a, possibly a marriage. or, or we, we, we don't know those things. But there, there were problems in her life that were manifested physically. But, the, but it tells us that it was a spirit of infirmity. Later on in the passage, as we go down further, Jesus said that Satan hath bound her these 18 years. She didn't just get sick. She didn't just break a bone or her back go out of joint one day. Something happened in the spirit of this woman. She was bound by Satan into this position. Now, I don't believe it happened all at once. I, I, I don't believe she was walking around one day, then bam, she was folded over and couldn't stand up. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I believe it probably happened over time. A lot of those types of things do happen over time. They, uh, it starts out as a, somebody, maybe your, their posture wasn't good, and, and, and maybe uh, I, when I was a kid, my mom used to say, straighten up. You're going you're gonna to slump for the rest of your life. Uh, a friend, uh, I wish I'd listened. <laughs> I wish I had better posture. But, but, but this woman, she, it may have started out slowly, but it continually increased gradually, gradually to the point where she was now bound, physically bound, spiritually bound. Now, not every spiritual infirmity is visible to the eye. There are some things that we can see. There, there are some things that we can see, the, the, the physical manifestation of, of the destruction that's taken place in that body because of uh, the spirit that, that, that's there. But sometimes, if we were all just honest, and if we could all see as God sees us, those, those physical, spiritual infirmities might be kind of terrifying if we were to look around. There might be somebody here that's a spiritual corpse today. Dead, eyes glazed over. No, no sign of life whatsoever. While they're here physically, spiritually, if they're outside of Christ, the Bible says they're dead in their trespasses and sins. Now, there may be others who are, are spiritually in a coma. Now, uh, well, they're, they're breathing. They're, they're, there is life there. There is very little life there. Now, thankfully, all we need to be is saved to get into heaven. But God didn't just save us to get to heaven, did he? 
He saves us to change us. Sometimes, it's a, uh, sometimes it may start in us as, as, as a hurt. Somebody says something that hurts us and, or does something that hurts us, and it turns into this little seedling of unforgiveness that, that grows and grows and grows until it's this root of bitterness that is stabbing through our heart that just ruins and controls our lives. Sometimes it's, it, it may be a, a, an anger that, that, that rises up and causes and affects the rest of your life. Now, we don't necessarily see all those things, but they do affect us, do they not? This woman had a spirit. I want to, first of all, notice a few things with me. Uh, the soul with the infir infirmity. It says there was a woman. It doesn't give us her name. We don't need to know her name. We just know that she had a spirit of infirmity. God saw her. Jesus saw her. And in fact, as, we're going to, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, he knew everything about her just by looking at her. That, that, that generic name could really be replaced with any number of people whose lives have been crippled because of the, the spirit uh, that, that, that they now have. Now, if we're saved, praise God, we are not under the control of Satan anymore. Jesus said, if the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. But there are a lot of Christians, a lot of professing Christians who, are, who have been set free, but they're living like they're in bondage. And in fact, uh, Paul warns us about the strongholds uh, that, that can take place in our lives. And if we allow a stronghold, what, what is that? That's a place where we've let Satan have, a, have place in our life. And man, he, once he gets his hooks in you, he will not let go on his own. That's why it's called a stronghold. We're to, we're to break down those strongholds, the Bible tells us. And we can only do it through the power of Jesus Christ. This, this, this woman, she, she suffered for 18 years with this infirmity. As we go through this, notice first the, the bowing down of this afflicted woman. Uh, uh, she has lost all her natural brightness and beauty. Now, I'm not saying she, every person is beautiful in their own way. I'm not but there was a time... It doesn't say she was born this way. In fact, there are times when the, when, uh, the Bible refers to as this person was blind from birth. And remember the disciples asked Jesus, who did sin? This, the, this man or his, his, his parents? And Jesus said, neither, right? It doesn't say she was born from birth, born this way from birth. I believe, again, I believe it happened gradually over her life. But at some point in time, that began to happen. Before that, she had a smile on her face. She walked back straight, looking up at the skies, maybe seeing, we, we don't know, dancing, skipping like a, as a child. Um, she had, she had a, a, an enjoyable time as, as a young person. But, but again, gradually over time, this affliction kind of took over her. It was a gradual process. And it stole from her joy, happiness, possibility in her life. And that happens to all of us. When we get saved, man, we are excited to, to be saved, are we not? If you're not, that's, that's, that's a sad thing. We're, we're thankful and we praise God for what he did because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But thank you, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who was rich in mercy, right, he did something. He, he changed us. He gave us new life. He gave us an inheritance. He's given us great and precious promises. He's given us a new nature. Man, he's given us so much. There is joy in that. 
Sometimes, though, that spirit of infirmity comes along. And it gets a hold in our life. And it steals our joy. And it steals our, 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 our excitement. It steals our, our hope and our future. This, this young girl who maybe at one time uh, loved to see the birds flying through the air never saw another one again. Do you know why? Because she was bound like this. Her, her eyes were focused to the ground. She couldn't look upward anymore. For, for 18 years, she hasn't seen the sky. She hasn't seen the sun. She hasn't seen the stars. She hasn't been able to look up. She's been forced to look at the ground all of this time. Hey, listen, when, when, there are times when, when that spirit of infirmity comes upon us. Listen, we're not heavenly focused, are we? We're earthly focused. We're, we're, we're looking down and all we see is the problem. And, and, and man, it, it's when all we can do is focus upon the problem, man, things get bad. It, it just seems to, to get worse and worse and mount up within us. Now, it doesn't mean she couldn't remember those good times that she'd had before, but that's almost even worse. Because all that does is bring sorrow. Well, it used to be good, but now I am living like this. My wife... Uh, uh, she broke her, her, her sacrum and her, t- and her tailbone, and, and, and those are painful fractures. Her biggest battle has been not a, not a, a battle of the body healing. Well, that's been painful. Her biggest battle has been the mind. She does not like to be laying down. So you know what she remembers? She remembers back when she could exercise and do all these good, these good things. And, and there's a blessing in remembering those things, but there's also it's a struggle because I can't do those things now. And she has a desire to do those things. There's a gradual process that, took, that takes place, a, a downward gaze and a, and a depressing mindset. It begins to cloud our mind. And listen, depression and, and anxiety and fear, I, just, I, I want you to understand that, that, that those things can overwhelm you and overcome you and can control your life. But it doesn't happen all at once, does it? It happens little by little. We give in to this worry or that worry and this anxiety or that anxiety, and, and it begins to build up and to, 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 to get bigger and bigger in our lives until the point where we are, like this woman was, unable to see hope. Not only had she lost her natural brightness and health, she was unable to lift herself. We see that again in verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together. And she could in no wise lift up herself. She couldn't do it. It kind of tells me that she's probably tried. I don't know what she's tried. Uh, maybe she went to doctors and, and tried to have the doctors work on her. Uh, the, the woman with the, the issue of blood, we know, the Bible says that she spent many, went to many doctors and suffered many things and spent, almost, uh, spent all of her money trying to be healed and, and obviously was unable to get that done until she touched the hem of the, the garment of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and he healed her. Uh, but, but this woman, it says that she could in no wise lift, lift herself up. She could not lift herself up. She couldn't stand up straight.
She was unable. She may have attempted and it was useless. Couldn't do it. Can I? We can't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. Ever hear that phrase? Come on, you can do it. Do you have somebody who's suffering from depression or anxiety or, or, or fearfulness or worry or, or, for, or unable to forgive somebody or, and, and the, 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 that bitterness is rising up in them or, or whatever the malady is, it doesn't do any good to walk over and say, you know what, just snap out of it. There, are, there have been a lot of well-meaning people who've tried to give advice that has, been, that has been free and worth just that much. Just get out of bed. It'll be good for you. Just forgive them. Just, just get over it. Just like this woman, we are unable in and of ourselves to do that. Because it's not in us to be able to do that. It's not of us. There have been many that have tried, and they, 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 they fail, and they, they, they fall into deeper and darker depression, or, or, or more anger, or they get angry with themselves, or angry at God because they're not able to do this. Listen, you can't do it. That was also how long she suffered this way. You think if she could have gotten up and stood up straight, she, wouldn't, she would have? I'm pretty sure she didn't want to be that way. I mean, she's probably mocked by children and made fun of. Other people avoided her. Back in, the, back in those days, uh, people that suffered this kind of, uh, this kind of affliction, this kind of uh, disablement, uh, they were considered useless. Uh, there wasn't, uh, they, weren't, uh, they, they weren't cared for as we do now, but many times they had to become beggars and, 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 and rely on, uh, on just the, the, the donations or, or the, 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 the people giving unto them to help them. Uh, we don't know exactly her situation, but I'm, I am sure of this. If she could have stood up, she would have. But she could not. For 18 years, she went through that. Charles Spurgeon, one of uh, one of the, the they call him the Prince of Preachers. Uh, it was a he was a, a great uh, preacher back in the 1800s, and uh, he preached his first sermon at the age of 17 at a, at a small church. And I say small; it's larger than ours. But back then, it was it was small. It was about uh, in London. In London, uh, there was about 300 people there at that church. The next week, there were thousands. And it continued to grow. And he would preach to thousands on a regular, on a regular basis. He became the pastor of that church and then, and then moved to another, another church. But he, what a great man of God he was. But there's something that many people don't know about Charles Spurgeon. He went through and suffered with great depression. There were days when, days, sometimes weeks, where he could not get out of bed. Why? Is he not? Uh, uh, why couldn't he do that? He was a good, man, a great man of God. Why did he go through these? Sometimes the afflictions that we face, God allows. Now, in this instance, we're going to see that Jesus heals her. Praise the Lord for that. But God doesn't always heal us from our affliction. Look at the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians. Paul uh, is suffering from what, we, what, what we're told is a thorn in the flesh. Uh, that many people believe it's his eyesight. Uh, nobody is, can guarantee it because they're not Paul. They weren't back there back then. But whatever it is, that thorn in the flesh, 
he asked God to remove it three times. I'm pretty sure he didn't say, well, Lord, I'm okay if you don't do this. I'm pretty sure he, was, he pled with God to please take this thorn in the flesh away from him. That's why he prayed for it three times. He had a desire, whatever it was, and again, if his, if his eyesight and his inability to see, uh, uh, he had a desire to be able to see. Listen, if you were blind, you'd want to see, wouldn't you? Don't you think that that might have limited what he could do? How many times did those letters say that they were written by in another person's hand? Because he had to rely upon somebody else to write those letters. There are very few that he said, uh, that, uh, this is written in my hand. Because he could, had trouble seeing. So if he had trouble seeing to write, you think he might have had trouble in travel and all kinds of other things? Uh, I want you to understand, it was difficult for him. He wanted to be free of this so he could serve God to the best of his ability. But God and his omniscience and his sovereignty allowed him to have a thorn in the flesh. Paul goes on to say that when he asked the third time, God said, my grace will be sufficient for you. That he understood and realized that God gave him that thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Because if he could glory in what he did, then guess what? Suddenly, he gets the glory and God doesn't. He said, he said I'd rather glory in my infirmity. I'd rather let God... But, but understand, God, God set him loose from his bond, bondage too. Just in a different way. One thing that I, I think is very important, I want to make sure this is very clear. Satan hates us and is in control of this world. And a lot of times we, we put things to happenstance and, well, this just happened, or I just got this, or I got this, I got sick, or, or my wife just slipped and fell, and, well, things happen. God's in control. And there is no happenstance. God allows things to happen to us. Well, that's just not fair. You're not God, and neither am I. And while we may not understand why we go through the things that we go through, we do need to understand that God is in control. Back in the book of Job, turn here real quickly, if you would, with me. Job chapter 1. Everybody knows the book of Job because of all the suffering that Job went through. Job chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 6 through 12. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered, the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. Notice what the, what the Lord responds. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. We know what happens in this account. Uh, we know that, that, uh, that Satan then goes down and touches the life of Job. Now, he doesn't touch his health, but he touches everything around him. 
He takes, his, he takes everything that he has and destroys it. It's, it's taken away. It's, it's, it, uh, it, the people come in and the enemy comes in and they run off with all the stuff. Uh, his children uh, are all killed. They're all there at one big party and, and uh, they, they're, all, they're all killed. Uh, uh, the, only thing God, uh, the only thing that Satan leaves them is his wife who told him, why don't you just curse God and die? Not a whole lot of support there. Who did that to him? Satan. Who allowed it? God. Why would God allow something like that? In the end, we see that it, it brings Job's understanding that God is God and, and that he has every right to do anything, whatever he wants. But, but he also sees the goodness of God in that. Later on uh, in the next chapter, chapter 2, turn over one more chapter, we see, we, we see something else. It says, again, verse 1, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and, and Satan came also among them to present him before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, that feareth one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest... Uh, Moots me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life, but put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Notice again, and the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, but save his life. So when Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to his crown, What's happening in these two passages? God is allowing things to happen to, righteous, to a righteous man. A man who, who turned away from evil, who, 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 who loved God and lived for God. A man who was so righteous that he would, uh, according to the first, the first chapter, the first verses, he would, would sacrifice for his children just in case they sinned. Uh, uh, he wanted to make sure that he and his family were right with God. And God allowed this to happen to him. But it was Satan that did it. You know, Satan, the Bible says, is the ruler uh, of, this, of this world. Now, while God is in control, Satan has power and dominion here on this earth. He can do whatever God allows him to do. Do you not think that he wants to afflict you? We talk about spiritual warfare, and, but in our minds, it's this kind of, well, you know, he's shooting invisible arrows. That, what do you think those, those, that spirit of infirmity is? That, 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 that worry that, that crops up in your mind, that fear, that anxiety, that, 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 that hurt. Where do you think it comes from? Isn't it from the Spirit of the Lord? It's from Satan trying to afflict your life. And, and listen, God will allow things to happen to us, but what does the book of James says, say? The, the trying of our faith worketh patience. We all go through diverse or different trials in our lives, and, and, and those trials are there for a purpose. Yeah, they, they may be difficult, they may be hard, it may be painful to even go through, but they're there for a purpose. They, they help us to grow. They might even change us or can help us to be even more conformed to the image of the Lord. Sometimes it's a test. The Bible says we can't, we're not to say that we're tempted of God. God doesn't tempt us. 
He may allow situations. He allowed that situation in Job's life. But do you know what he said? Do you remember what he said about Job in, in chapter 2 there? He said, even though you've done all these things, he's still perfect and upright and escheweth evil, regardless of what you've done unto him. See, this woman, her infirmity back in the book of Luke, her infirmity was physical on the outside, but I believe there was a, and it, was a, it was caused by spiritual, a spiritual malady on the inside, and it just was manifesting itself out in that way. And there it became a spirit of despondency, a spirit of depression, a spirit of maybe discontent. But that was, that was fostered because of the situation that she was in. We're not, we don't control what's going on to us, but what we do control is how we respond in the situation. I want you to notice one thing about this woman. Not only has her physical body even and spirit been affected by this, notice where we find her. She's in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. She's in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. She, could, she couldn't even stand up straight. Her body is bent over. Do you know how difficult it would be to walk? It didn't say people carried her in. Nobody carried her to Jesus or let her down through the roof like the, like the lame man, uh, the paralyzed man. No, she, she came on her own. She was there. She could have had plenty of excuses. You know, it's, I'm uncomfortable. It's painful for me to do that. I'll just stay home and commune with God here. Or maybe she'd get angry with God. But do you know where we find her? In the synagogue. I encourage you today, if, if there's something going on in your, in, in your heart or your mind, and uh, you, even physically, as long as you're not contagious, by the way. <laughs> Keep your own illnesses to yourself. But uh, listen, I want to encourage you that, that, that she came to the house of God because she had a desire to be there. Because it was the house of prayer. She had tried everything else. She was unable to lift herself. So she came to the one place where she could lift up herself to the Lord. Not only did she come to the house of prayer, but, but, but uh, it was here where she found the, the freedom from the bondage that she had. What if she'd stayed home that day? I just don't feel like it today. I, I, I'm struggling. You don't understand. Uh, listen, I, I, I can't say that I've ever had great depression. Uh, I, 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 I'm not, and I'm not going to knock and, 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 and tell you just to get up and get over it. Uh, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But your hope isn't in, in, in a bed. Your hope isn't being separate yourself uh, from in a dark room. Your hope isn't, isn't in staying away from, from other Christians. Your hope is in coming to the, the house of God and seeking Christ. Amen. Whether it's depression or bitterness or anger or whatever other malady you might have that's unseen by my eye or any human eye, the answer is always found in Christ. Notice also that she had a privileged heritage. Jesus, in speaking about her and to her, calls her a daughter of Abraham. Why is this important? 
Because no matter how sick she was, no matter how bent over she was, she didn't lose that goodly heritage. She still, by faith, and we, under, we know it's by faith because she's at the house of God, there at a time to pray. We know that she, she still believes God. Now, we, we're not saying that she had heard about Christ. It doesn't tell us any of that. What I'm saying is she had faith in God. Before salvation, uh, before, before Christ died on the cross, uh, the, the Israelites that, 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 that were saved were saved by faith and trusting in God. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. They looked for a Messiah to come, and when Jesus came many of them rejected him I'm telling you though that she believed in God that was never taken away from her we don't lose our salvation we can go through difficult times. We can go through hard times. Uh, I, I know a pastor friend of mine who used to say, listen, just get over it, buddy. You don't need to just pick yourself up off, off your feet, uh, onto your feet again, and you'll be fine. And then until it was him that was knocked down. He didn't say that anymore. You know what he says? It was only by the grace of God that he's standing on his two feet now. But that, that man of God didn't lose his salvation and didn't remove from him his, his, uh, his heritage or his inheritance that he has. We all go through times in our lives where, where we're struggling, where we've lost our joy, where, where, we're, where, where, where we've lost, uh, come to a point of, of unforgiveness. Whatever it is, it affects us all. And I want you to understand that those things are attacks by Satan. It is. The Bible says God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of sound mind. We are to put on the helmet of salvation. What does that helmet do? It, it helps us to, to think correctly, to think, uh, listen, no matter what happens to me here on this earth, I am safe, I am secure, I am at, I am at home in heaven. But that doesn't me mean that I won't be afraid at times. Paul, sitting in a, in a boat while, the, while everybody else was terrified, guess what? He was scared too. Do you know how I know that? When that, that Eurocladon, that big massive storm that was rocking the boat, and they had to cast everything overside, all the extra weight. They, they, had to, they did everything they could to protect themselves, and they were being driven about by the wind. They hadn't seen the sun in, in days. And do you know what the Bible says? The angel came to Paul and says, fear not. And why would you tell somebody to not be afraid if they weren't afraid? This spirit that afflicts us can become a stronghold in our lives. Or we can seek God's help to remove it. Notice it's the hand of Satan in this bondage. We see that down in verse, verse number uh, 16. Jesus speaking to the, to the, uh, to the Pharisees and those that were upset at him healing her on the, the Sabbath day. It says, verse 16, And not, not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, he loosed them from the bond on the Sabbath day. Again, it, it, Satan had his hand in this. It wasn't just that she felt bad one day. Satan afflicted her. Satan afflicts us too. Notice how devastating this has been to her. 
It's completely affected her life. For 18 years, she has lived like this. The limitations of it. It has limited what she could do in her life. Where she could go. The relationships that she has. Man, uh, this, this spirit of affliction, this infirmity has, has, uh, has limited her. There's a blessing here as well. Because knowing that Satan had his hand in this, Satan, we know that Satan has done all that he could. Satan did everything that he could to destroy her. Isn't that what Satan did to Job? God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And he says, well, you've placed a hedge of protection about him. I've not been able to touch him. You've been blessing him and giving him success and all these other things. Of course he's going to praise you. And God says, okay, you can do this, but you stop here. And man, Satan did everything he could. And when Job still didn't blame God, Satan said, well, you know, if you let me touch his life, you would. And Satan did everything he could, but he stopped short when, where God said, can I tell you, Satan is doing all that he can. And while that's a bad thing, it's also a good thing. Because it means that he doesn't have full power. Satan does not have full power in your life. You know who has full power in your life? God. It may get bad, and it may get rough, and it may be difficult for you. But can I tell you that Satan does not have power over you because the Bible says that you have been saved, that you have been taken from his jurisdiction, his power, his dominion, and you've been placed in the dominion and in the kingdom of Christ, God's dear son. And while he may shoot his arrows at you and he may, he may cause you to, to, to struggle at times, I want you to understand something. He can't do any more than God lets him. He can't do any more than God lets him. So, well, it's still hard. Yes, it is. But even as much as Satan did these things for evil, what's the Bible say? God means it for good. Well, that's a hard truth to, to really grab hold of when we're in the midst of, of the throes of this thing. I want you to understand it is true. We see there in verse 13 what, how she responds when she's healed. It says in verse, in verse uh, 13, and he laid his hand on her and immediately she was made straight. Notice what it says, and glorified God. Why does she praise God? And if this wasn't any big thing, how do you think she praised the Lord? I mean, think about it. She, she was excited. She stood up. She might have even done a little jig to make sure she could. I'm not going to dance up here just so I don't want to scare anybody. She, she, she was excited. She stood up straight. She, she maybe even jumped up in the air. Who knows? But she glorified God. Why? Because she'd been set free. Charles Spurgeon, again, one who suffered from Great Depression, said that the depths of woe allowed me to find the, the heights of ecstasy. You know what he meant by that? The deeper you go in despair, the harder things get for you, the sweeter the victory. 
the, the sweeter it is when the times are good. Listen, while, while Satan meant this for, for evil for her, it was preparing her to be able to praise God. It was preparing uh, her to be a testimony of the power of God in front of everybody who was there. See, so why did God allow this in her life? So we could read it 2,000 years later. So that everybody that was there that, that, that said, well, how dare he heal her on this day? The Bible says that when Jesus was done talking to them, it says they all were ashamed. Taught them a lesson too. We don't necessarily understand things, but I, want you to, I do want you to understand this. Satan wants to afflict you. Satan is afflicting you. While he's afflicting you, notice the liberator at work. And Jesus here in verse, verse 12 says, And when Jesus saw her. Mm. I look at you and I see you. Some of you, uh, some of you look really good. Others look, look very, I'm just kidding. I see you. But when Jesus saw her, it was different. Jesus had never met this woman before. But instantly, in that moment, he knew everything about her. He said, well, of course, he was God. Yes, he was God, but he was also man. And that look, when he saw her, listen, he saw a lot of people there. You think she was the only one with an infirmity? You think she was the only one that needed the touch of the Savior? There were always people coming to him for, for that. He saw her. He saw her and knew everything about her. Knew that she would, had been this way for 18 years. Knew that it was, it was, it was caused by a, a spirit of infirmity. He, he knew everything here. And he sees you. You can come in here with a smile on your face. You can come in here all dressed up. You can come in here and, and, and have everything put together on the outside. I cannot see you as God sees you. But he sees you. He sees the pain. The fear, the anxiety, the, the bitterness, the rebelliousness, the love. He, he sees everything in you. But not only does he, did he see her, notice he called her to him. It says, and Jesus, verse 12, when, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. He didn't say, hey, you. Hey, crippled lady. He didn't use those words. He called her to him. How do you call somebody to you? I believe he called her by name. But Luke doesn't record that. He called her to him. But you know what he didn't say? Hey, you, straighten up and get over here. He called her just as she was. He didn't say, you need to, to, to change your clothes. You need to do this or do that. He says, just come. You're broken. He saw the brokenness. And he said, come. We sing the song. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul 
of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot o lamb of god i come i come he wants us to come he wants us to come just as we are and you know what we're to come broken we're, we're, to, we're, to, we're to come with a desire to be healed and to be mended and to be fixed because we can't lift up ourselves. He called her unto him. Listen, if you're here this morning and, and you're struggling and you're, there is a spirit of infirmity in, up, upon you that's affecting you, listen, may, it may not have been 18 years for you, but you still need set free from it. And you can't do it yourself. It may not be something that's physical on the outside that you, that you can see, but it's certainly something that God can see. If that's you this morning, can I just encourage you, God's calling you to come. He says, and I'm not saying you have to come, get up, come here, though there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is God wants you to come to him for healing. This call is personal. Nobody else came, just her. God's call for you is personal. It's individualized. He sees you, he knows you, and he's calling you. Not only was it personal, but it's unmistakable. There was no question in her mind when Jesus said, Come here. There was, there was no hesitancy. She came forward, and she came just as she was. Notice, lastly, no, last part of this point, sorry. He set her free. He set her free. He says, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Aren't you glad that we have a, a God that can loose us from our infirmities? He, yes, he set us free from sin. Yes, he set us free from, he can loose us from this spirit. Now, we've been saved, and again, the Bible says, Jesus said, if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You cannot be re-imprisoned in sin again. But again, we can allow strongholds in our life. And we can live like we're bound. you bound this morning. Christ can set you free. I want to be clear. There are mental illnesses, and I'm not trying to say that there are not. There are chemical imbalances that doctors need to treat, and I'm not trying to tell you to, don't t to not take your medication or to do those things. But sometimes I think, especially in our culture today, that we over medical I'm making up a word here, medicalize things. Sometimes it's a spiritual issue and not a physical issue. Sometimes the things that, that we allow in our lives are spiritual in nature. And medicine can't fix that. I was talking with somebody the other day who suffered from what's 
clinically known as an eating, is an eating disorder. It's known as, it's considered a mental illness. But over the years, that person not taking medications and not getting the counseling that the world found that in Scripture, they found the answer. Why? Because ultimately, it was a spiritual issue in her life. I'm not saying that that's... That, that I'm not saying that, that there aren't those that need medications, but I'm saying that if you're a child of God, Christ is the answer, the first answer we should always go to. It's taboo in, in our country to, to, to say this because of the the nature of, of, of our medical system and the nature of we, it's almost like we forget that there's a spiritual world out there but there is he set her free I want you to notice something though. she was set free but she still wasn't standing up she still wasn't standing up yet he set her free placed his hand upon her and she was still in that bent over position. Notice with me also that she lifted herself up. Christ set her free but she had to stand up. It's not hard. It's a very simple fact. It's like when Jesus told the, told the, the paralyzed man, get up and walk. He was already healed before he got up. But he had to get up. Now, I understand that there's a balance of God, that we can't do anything without God, and that, but, there's, but there's also God tells us to do things, right? It's God that saves us, Amen. But we need to have faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, John six forty four. Jesus said, "Unless the Father draws them, I, I, it's it's this balance. It's it, it, uh, uh, listen the Calvinism that says that God only picks and chooses that just goes against Scripture, where it says that God would have all men come unto Him. Listen, I want you to know that that God is sovereign, but we also have free will. She stood up." Because he healed her. She couldn't have got up otherwise. She'd have still been in that that hunched position unless he had loosed her from that bondage. But he loosed her and then she stood up. We need to take that step. And trust and have faith that he will loose us, set us free. For her, I want you to notice that not only did she, was she set free from the, the, the mindset of having to walk around like that, but she was set free from the physical aspect of it as well. Praise the Lord. She glorified God. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes God freed them from the mindset and left them in the, left them in the position. Paul. But God gave him a new mindset. And said, my grace is sufficient for thee. 
And Paul said, you know what? I'd rather glorify in my, glorify in my infirmities. I'd rather be this way because it brought more honor and glory to God. God can do the same thing for you. God doesn't always remove us from our circumstances. If he did, you know what Christians would, you know what your Christian life would be like? If God would free you from your circumstances and everything would be good, you would have great success, you'd never be in any pain, you'd never get sick, you'd never, I mean, it would be great, you'd, you'd win the lottery, you, you'd, have, you'd have a high-paying job, you'd, your car would never break down, you'd never run out of gas, it would be awesome, right? It's not how life works. God doesn't promise us a life like that. But he does promise us that he'll never leave us or forsake us. She glorified God. Next, lastly, this time it's for real. How do we know we can expect the same thing? How, can we, how do we know that we can expect that God will do this for us? That God will, will set us free from that spirit of infirmity. Maybe not the, the physical aspect of it, or maybe he will, who knows. But, but how do we know that, that he will? Well, the kindness of our Savior, first of all. Notice verse 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and, them therefore and in them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? He says, listen, you all have oxen and other, uh, whatever other animals. You all have those things. Do you not give it water? The, the oxen are kept in stalls. Do you not uh, open the do door and lead him over to the trough so he can get his water every day? Of course you do. Because it's, even for humans, that's the, the right thing to do. You don't st Sometimes we accidentally starve a goldfish, but it should be an accident. Don't do it on purpose, right? It's, it's, it, it, it's our human kindness. You see an animal that's suffering, right? You, you want to you help it. How much greater is God? Do you think God's going to look upon our infirmities and say, you know what? I'm just going to leave you where you're at. Do you think God's not as merciful and kind as mankind? I'd say he's more so. In fact, uh, he is the, the source of mercy. We wouldn't even understand what mercy was without him. So we have the kindness of the Savior. He loves you. We also have the fact that his purpose here on earth was to do what? To destroy the work of Satan. Again, he may not remove you from whatever situation you're in. But he can change your mind and your heart. And that has always been his desire. As Christians, our, desi our desire should be to glorify God. Not be so focused on our problems. You know, th th there were those in the, in the Old Testament that were focused on the problems a lot. I think, what were they called? The uh, Israelites. 
We're so hungry. We're so thirsty. It would have been better off if we'd just been able to stay back there in Egypt with the leeks and the onions. Well, you go get your leeks and onions, and I'll eat some manna. What did God do? They murmured and complained, and God struck many of them dead. In fact, uh, Corinthians, uh, Paul tells in Corinthians that that those, those things are there recorded so that we can learn and not do the same things. Don't be so caught up in your personal problems, but instead remember. Remember the one who can set you free. Your mind, your heart, the one who can give you soundness of mind and joy in the midst of your circumstances. Paul and Silas, I, beaten and beaten and uh, thrown into prison, and they're in the stocks, and they're there singing away, glorifying God at midnight. How? Because they weren't focused upon the persecution. Their heart and their mind was on Christ, praising him. The last reason I believe that we can expect the same help and hope is because we have a compassionate Savior. Where compassion means that you see somebody, that you feel it moves you so that you do something. We see that in Scripture many times. Jesus being moved with compassion, right? Uh, 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 we, uh, on Wednesday, we talked about, uh, about when Jesus told the disciples to, 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 to come apart, uh, to come apart and to, to, for, to be apart and just to rest uh, for a short while. And it says they went out to a, a desert place, but the people figured out where they were going, and they, they ran ahead, and they beat him there. And these poor disciples who had just come back and they were exhausted from walking and, and were, uh, traveling and preaching and, 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 and feeding everybody. They hadn't even had time to eat, the Bible says. They get there and there's already a crowd there. And what's Jesus tell them to do? You know what? Ignore them and go get your rest. No, it says that Jesus, seeing the multitudes, moves with compassion and began to heal them. All that came to him. And then he instructed the disciples to feed them. <laughs> and while we, we need a rest, Christ was moved with compassion to take care of those needs. You don't think he will take care of yours? He sees our condition. No matter what kind of face or front we put on, he sees the status of your heart. You can't hide it from him. He knows what you need. If you, have a, if you come to him and, and seek uh, his, his touch on your life, guess what? He will touch you. Read the word, study the word, get into it, spend time in prayer, and he will do a work in your life. Uh, it, it's, uh, he sees your condition. He sees how long you've been there. He, Jesus, seeing this woman, said, said, you know, it's been 18 years. You can wait another day. I mean, that's what, the, that's what the, uh, the, the religious leaders would have said. Well, tomorrow, today's the Sabbath. We'll do this tomorrow. No. Jesus said, now is the day. Question. Is there a spirit of infirmity in your life? Whether it's physical or spiritual in your heart where I can't see it. Whether it's a a thought process in your mind, fear, anxiety, unforgiveness, depression. 
whether you're paralyzed with doubts, you're unable to, you're unable to, 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 to trust God and walk in faith because you, you, your faith just isn't strong enough. Whatever it is, is, is there that spirit of infirmity in your life that's causing you to keep your eyes off of Christ and on your situation? If that's so, would you come to him today? If you're, you're saved, you don't need to come for salvation, but... Maybe you ask God to help to break down that stronghold that you have allowed Satan to build up in your life. Because you can't do it yourself. And I can't do it for you. I don't have that ability. But Christ does. He can set you free. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have in you and and that we receive through the word. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart here this morning. Lord, I don't know the needs. I don't know the struggles uh, that we all face, but, but you do. Lord, I pray and ask that you would work in each one of us, that you would have your way, Lord, that you would do your work. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Heads bowed, nice closed.